Hey, here's a little plug. This February, from the 23rd to the 26th, we will host a Young Lives Weekend at Carolina Point for teen moms and their babies. There will be over 100 moms and babies, and in order to pull off this weekend, we need your help. We need child care workers who are willing to serve by taking care of babies while their moms are at club, helping them have the best weekend ever. It's amazing. It's worth every penny. And if you're interested and willing to serve, please contact Allie Holroyd. Her email will be in the show notes. Hi, friends. You're listening to Palmetto Young Life. This podcast helps encourage and equips leaders to reach the next generation. During our Committee Leader Weekend, we broke up into seminars slash teaching times to better help equip leaders and our committee in their roles. This seminar you're about to hear is called Starting or Restarting a Young Life Ministry from my good friend, Ben McDaniel, who is the AD in Lake Norman, North Carolina. Enjoy. All right, hey, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to jump in uh, and people might walk in. Hey, Benji, at some point once you are done walking, will you shut the door just so I don't get distracted? You know? All right, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. Jesus, I thank you for uh, this weekend, getting to be here with such a, a huge crowd of people that are locked arms with us doing similar things to what we're doing in different places around the region. Uh, I pray that as we kind of set aside and dedicate this time uh, to ask you to reveal yourself to us, that you would actually show us yourself. Uh, that as we all, in different ways, are, are trying to start or restart something, uh, I pray that you would give us a vision for what that is supposed to look like, how to do that well, how to do that with integrity, follow your calling to I pray that you be here with us in this hour, uh, that we get to really uncover truth in your word, and that you would have something for us. We love you. Good morning, man. Uh, hey, so raise your hand, just so we can kind of a feel of, of who's in the room and for what reason. Raise your hand if uh, you are part of starting something from scratch right now, like something brand new, you know, like it's never been anything before. So, like a five or six. Uh, raise your hand if you are in the process of like restarting something that was, maybe it's been struggling or suffered. So most of you are restarting something that sounds about right in COVID. Uh, raise your hand if neither of those applies to you and you're confused and are probably in the wrong room because this is what this room is about. Anybody? You're, feel free to leave at any point if you're in the wrong room. Uh, but we're going to dive into talking about this idea uh, in ministry of starting or restarting. Uh, but kind of like Mike was talking about last night, who's uh, right back there, Mike was saying that uh, a lot of times the behaviors that we do don't always match up with the heart, the why, the, the core of who we are and what we believe to be true. Uh, and so it's going to be some practical stuff that we cover in here, uh, but a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about uh, will be more about the heart of why we're doing what we're doing. Because if you really get the, the why, like I said, the, the what will reveal itself, the how will reveal itself in some way. Uh, so, but before we jump in, we're going to let y'all share a little bit, just specific to your situation, in like a sentence or two, throw a hand up, and we'll bounce around for a couple minutes. Uh, what's, what's your starting? What are you restarting? What, what's your ministry where God has called you to look like right now, just so we can have some context of, of some of the things we're talking about? So, throw a hand up and share. Go for it. Okay. Rival school is like soon then. Okay. They shut down like three years ago, and so that's who joined our team. But now we just have a lot of complexity coming, and we haven't started because we don't have committee members who are like surrounding us and supporting us. And so 
if Governor Leary's getting placed at Lexington, then I'm going to move over and be a team leader there. I love that. And start that ministry. Right. So there's this other ministry that's kind of started with kids, but there's not really a community, and it's over there. And you're thinking about going if you have the resource. All right. What else? Keep going. Let's get a few more. What's your thing that you're starting or restarting? Let's go ahead. Go for it, Anna. I live at Dorman High School, which is like massive. Um, and our campaigners has like 10 kids in it. And so it's like, how do I reach people in mass uh, and start to grow ministry? The ministry we're doing is good. We just need to do better. So campaigners, a little bit dwarfed to the school, and you want to develop and grow it into something new. All right, what else? I'm a first year leader in Newberry, and I came into an area that had a lot of leader turnover over the last several years, and so it's been really hard to build consistency with the kids because they get attached to someone and then that person gets taken away. So we've lost a lot of faithful campaigners over the years, um, I'm seeing because of their leaders either stepping down or moving away or whatever the reason being. Absolutely. So a lot of leader turnover, which causes uh, broken relationships, broken trust, and it can't build to anything. Let's get one or two more. Back there, and then we'll come to you. Um, I live in Clemson, and we had a ton of people come to the club last year in, in middle school, and then this year it's just like not. Something happened and just dropped off, yeah. and ministry just kind of shriveled up, and you're restarting. How about you last? Um, I lead at Westwood High School in Columbia, and we it shut down like three years ago due to like no support from the school or um, and members around the community so we're starting to back up and like we don't even have campaigners we just go to the school hey it's a great start like three girls three girls that you are closer with or know and you go to the school but you have nothing else and you're kind of starting it up from scratch uh i love it that's beautiful uh all of us are on a spectrum of of starting restarting building, rebuilding uh, from the ground up because uh, that's kind of like the Young Life way. If you've been around Young Life long enough, you know, like once uh, something feels like it's working, you're very close to the point of, of unattaching yourself and going somewhere where it needs to be started or restarted because uh, we have a heart for every kid to go and hear about the gospel of Jesus. And so we want every place that right now doesn't have ministry to have ministry. We want every kid that, that doesn't have a relationship with a leader to have a relationship with a leader. And so we're always restarting, starting, building, rebuilding uh, as we go through the ministry that we do. But the question that I, I want to let y'all kind of shout out answers to uh, is, do you know what it is you're trying to build? Like you're starting something and you're building towards something, but do you know what it is you want it to look like? Uh, like, are you praying for what one day will be the reality in that place, that school, that area, that community? Are you, are you praying that, that his uh, will will be done in that place? And if you are, if you're praying for that on a regular basis, what would it look like if your prayers came true? And so here's what we're going to do just real quick is I want you all to shout out uh, what would that place look like? The place that you are currently restarting or starting or building? What would it look like if all of your prayers came true for it? Just one thing at a time. It doesn't have to be the whole picture, but one part of it. What would be one part of that picture of what it would look like? Go. The community. Community. So that would be community. Keep going. You, I don't have to look back. Community. What else? Deep relationships. Deep relationships. Okay. Keep going. What else? Diversity. Diversity. Yep. What else? Self-sufficient. 
What's that? Self-sufficient. Self-sufficient. Tell me what you mean by that. If the leader's not there, the kids are so invested, they'll keep it going. Okay, uh, so another word for that might be uh, self-replicative. There you go. Like it, it, it starts to kind of repeat itself or to grow itself. What else? Parent support. Parent support, sure. What else? Building trust. Yep. Ooh, committees across the board. What else? Excitement just to be there. Mm. That, that's one of those things that, like, you could have a hundred people in a room, but if everybody's like checked out and doesn't even want to be there, like, does it feel good? Does it feel right? Does it feel like it's what you're hoping and praying for? So excitement that there's a I want to be thereness about the room. What else? Okay. School investment? School support. Yep. Support. Any others? Life change. Yeah, transformation. What else? Kids being plugged into church. Yeah, sure. Bridges to churches. That would be amazing. I pray for that. What else? Student-led. I'm hoping that if we uh, sat here for a while, that we could just keep going and we could fill all these sheets with different things that we are hoping for and praying for, for our school. But when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, this is how you should pray. He prayed for your school. He prayed for the, the place that you have been sent. And that he said, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom, the Father's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so these are all really great things, good things. But I hope that at the end of our 45 minutes together, you start praying in bigger ways as well. Not only that you know, there would be some buy-in and excitement. Those are great things that lead towards the establishment of his kingdom on the earth. That right now, you look at that place and you're like, I don't see his kingdom anywhere. But what if five years, ten years from now, when you aren't even there anymore, you showed up and you'd be like, Jesus is alive and a well and moving on this campus. That there's communities that are built on their relationships with one another because of their relationships with Jesus. That they, the, the self-relative and self-sufficient, that the kids at the school love Jesus and are transformed by Jesus so much that they are transforming the school even without Young Life leaders needing to be around. The kingdom being established on earth. And this is something that happens over and over and over throughout the Bible. Because this is a reality of, of who we are in, in Jesus. We join him in his work. And from the very beginning, like Genesis 1, at the very beginning of the Bible, he creates his kingdom. His haven on earth in the garden. Uh, there, there's this sense that he is there with Adam and Eve. His presence hovers in the garden. He's, he's walking the garden with them. They have community together in the garden. They are, they are connected to one another in this kind of paradise that is, that is sheltered and a refuge from the wilderness outside of the garden. And then, you all know page two or three, depending on the Bible, all of that is broken. The way of his kingdom is broken. And so from that page on, for the rest of the Bible, there's this 
kind of uh, repetitive narrative of God coming to rebuild and restore what was lost. To, to set right and rebuild his kingdom that was lost in the garden. And then you kind of move through the Bible and you see him kind of build other things. God created the garden and created us in, put us in it, kind of his kingdom there. But he then kind of tried to recreate his kingdom on earth in the people of Israel. Like God chose those people and said, I want you to become my people. And then he put in their hearts a, a land and he brought them into that land. He did all of these things. They did none of it. Actually, they got in the way more than they helped. But he still did it anyway, regardless. And he built this kind of uh, place for them. And then, once they got there, he had those people build and erect a city. And this image of a city is what we're going to kind of focus on for the rest of our time together. Is that he built this city of Jerusalem. And in the center of the city, he had Solomon build a temple. And there was a wall around the city that protected it. I want you all to kind of picture... Uh, the purpose that's written in that he established a kingdom that was in his name where there was his presence that resided in the temple and the people enjoyed the safety of community behind the wall of the city do you at all believe that your place of ministry your mission field your school your community that one day it could feel like this that God's presence resides in the center of it. And that the people have safety and refuge from the world around in a community together that is hedged in. My hope is that you're, you're praying that that would one day be true of your place of ministry, your school, wherever it is that you are. And I'm going to read to you uh, a chunk out of 2 Kings 25, 8-12. So God established this kingdom. He established this place where they could be with him, experience his presence, have community. And then it says this. On the seventh day of the fifth month in the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, an official of King Babylon came to Jerusalem. So an outsider from outside came to the city. And he set fire to the temple of the Lord the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every important building he burned down. The whole Babylonian army under the commander of the imperial guard broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Then the commander of the guard carried into exile the people who remained in the city, along with the rest of the population. And the remainder was left behind some of the poorest people to work the land and the vineyards and the fields. And so this picture is painted of of what God established. He had his presence here in the temple. And he had this this protection of the wall around the city. And the people experienced community behind the walls around the temple of the Lord. But then they were attacked and the, the temple itself was set on flames and burned. The important buildings were burned. The The walls were broken, dismantled, destroyed, and the people were carried off. That is the picture of the world that you walk into in ministry. Where, where are places that you have seen the destruction of God's kingdom in the lives of the, the guys or girls that you hang out with? Just shout them out, just a few. Like where do you see 
the walls no longer being there to protect? Where do you see the people being in, taken away into exile and slavery? Where do you see the presence of the Lord uh, not existing? Shout it out. Examples of it. Student section. Student section. Woo. What's that? In their homes. Wounds? In their homes. Oh, their homes. Oh, yeah. The, the, a home which is meant to be a, a place of refuge and protection is one of the unsafest places for a lot of kids. Keep going. Where do you see it? Their relationships. Keep going. Yeah. I remember, I mean, uh, it's always the old guys that look back and say, like, life was so much better back when. But I remember I, I like, loved going to school. And kids hate going to their high school now. It's not a place where they experience friendship and community the way that it was one day in the past. I probably experienced it differently than everybody before me experienced it. But the walls have been torn down. And that is where you are walking in to start something new. To establish something that is needed desperately. The kingdom of God on earth. Uh, But God, when this happened, the people were taken into exile in Babylon. He moved. Because that's what he does. He rebuilds, reestablishes, restarts what was lost. And so he went and found some people. Uh, Three people, Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. And the three things that they were sent to do, I think, really tells a lot about how we restart ministry, rebuild ministry from the ground up. The first thing was Zerubbabel who came. And, and does anybody know what Zerubbabel was tasked with doing? Anybody? Nope. Zerubbabel, very beginning of, of Ezra and Nehemiah, which is kind of two books that are really one book, uh, he starts to rebuild the temple itself. Like that, if you have this sheet, look at, look at this sheet. We're going to start kind of filling in... Uh, this building that we are restarting, rebuilding together. And the very bottom foundation, Zerubbabel did it when he came to town in Jerusalem. He was sent from Babylon to rebuild the temple. This bottom level is the presence of Jesus living in you. Like, like Mike talked about last night, we are God's temple. He establishes his spirit in us. So now, no longer is the temple a physical place. We are that temple that live in the world. So is God's presence being built up, being restored in you first. Are you the presence of God in the world? Also, your other teammates, your, your uh, campaigners, your committee, are they being built up in that temple, that temple being rebuilt in them first? Second thing is he sends Ezra. Ezra's main job was not to build a temple. It was to rebuild the hearts of the people. To come and to to remind the people of who God was. Remind the people of who they were. For us, it is this group of people, the community around us. Is your team being built into that community? Do you have a community of people around you that are being rebuilt into individual temples of the Lord that collectively uh, become a, a family, that collectively become a community that represents Christ to the world? But then... Third, he sends Nehemiah. And this is what I feel like for our image, the metaphor we're going to use for the rest of our time together. uh, Nehemiah comes to restore the city and build up the walls. To rebuild the hedge of protection so that people might come in and experience the presence of the Lord again in the kingdom of God that he established on earth. And so as we rebuild, we're going to kind of look at the life of Nehemiah uh, and what he did to try to glean some wisdom on how we rebuild. So the very bottom level down here, at the bottom of this building, oh, I forgot I drew up here. 
you have presence of Jesus in you. That's a big one. Because if this isn't where you're starting from, if this isn't the place that you have the desire to rebuild, none of it's going to last. It's all just going to crumble. Secondly, heart of the people. Your team. Are they in with you? And if you have both of these, you can start to rebuild, start the process of rebuilding. I gave out some of the the, uh, the verse references. Uh, who has that number one? It's number one up in the left corner. Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4. Who's got it? Stand on up. Say it out loud, as loud as you can. There's going to be a lot of reading, so we're going to do it quick. So we're going to jump right into it. So he he gets news. He's in, he's one of the guys in exile. He gets news of of his people and his place, the ministry that God's called you to, the place, the the school, the area. He gets news of it, and it breaks his heart. Are you praying for that place where you've been called in such a way that, that you are moved in your spirit? That you actually care about its future? Actually care about the, the guys and girls that, that make that their home? Are you, are you stirred on a heart level first? See that right here? And you can look at the back uh, of your sheet. Before you start to rebuild, you have to pray for your heart to break. If you don't have a broken heart for the place that you are sent to go, what will you never do? You'll never go. If you don't have a heart that breaks for the place you're sent to go, you will never go because you'll just feel like an extra. Like you're just doing a, a, a job for somebody else. But when it becomes your heartbeat that those people would know Jesus and that his kingdom would be established in that place, you're going to show up all the time. All right? Somebody uh, read Nehemiah 2, 5, and 6. Who had that one? Um, Shout it out. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. And I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, Why are you, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may build, rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him time. So, so what do you notice uh, immediately in hearing that? So this is the king 
of Persia, the Babylonian king, that is seeing Nehemiah's heart broken. His face is showing that he, he is carrying this heaviness about his people. And, and what do you notice? Anything? Do you notice that the king, who has no reason to care, uh, notices and wants to help? Like, as you carry this heart, this heaviness, for the place that God has called you to, one, do you know that that is the place that God has called you to? If you know it and your heart breaks for it, people around you are going to get on board with you. They're going to say, this is worth the sacrifice. This is worth the time. This is worth the energy that it takes to go. And they're going to send you. So if you know that you're called to this, if you know that that place is the place that God is sending you, then get up and go. Show up. Make it your home. Make it the place that you kind of hang out in in your free time. I think a lot of you that are in college, I, I was definitely guilty of this a lot in college. I went because the staff said I should go two to three times a week. So I always went twice. Sometimes I would go three times, but on the fourth time, I'm like, oh, come on, a little extra, right? Instead, reverse that and say, like, this is the place God has called me. I will go and I will show up and I will establish these relationships as my relationships to invest in. When you're called, you go. All right, next, Nehemiah 2, 11 through 15. Who's got it? Go for it. Read it out loud. So I arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart to do. We took no pack animals with us, except for donkey out after dark, I went out to the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and the Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's gate, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So, through it was, so though it was still dark, I went up to the king's valley and said, inspecting the wall before I turned back into the Love it. So he is sent from Babylon back to Jerusalem to, to rebuild, but before he tells anybody, he gets there, before he tells anybody what he's there to do, Y'all pick up on what he did? What did he do? What did he do? Shout it out. He examined. He got on a donkey in the, in, the, in the darkness of night. And he circled the city. He wanted to see the state it was in. He wanted to, to get to know what really was needed to rebuild this thing. He wanted to, to see where the, the hearts of the people were and, and, and where the, the gaps in the gate were. And he wanted to see where it was exposed and at risk and vulnerable. If you are placed in a place that right now you want to restart or rebuild something, go there and, and, and just get to know the state that it's in, the culture that is at that place. Walk around. Uh, one thing that Neil Gardner, I don't know if you all ever heard him say, uh, one of his favorite things to do is on a Friday night football game, he likes to go over to the student section. And look across back over at, at his place's student section to see what what do I notice about that place? What is true about those people? Assess the need. Assess the need. Once you've assessed the need and kind of know where where it is in disrepair, you can begin the building. Nehemiah 2, 16 through 18. Who's got it? Who had that one? Okay. The city officials did not know I had 
not yet said anything to anyone about my plan. I have not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how gracious, the gracious hand of God has been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall so they began good work. So once he had assessed the need, once he had kind of claimed his call to go and, and shown up, he started letting people in on the vision that God had given him. Do you have a vision of the kingdom being established in the place that you're in big enough that you can share it with somebody that can't see it? Do you believe that it's going to happen in such a way that people can jump on and ride with you in your belief? Are you sharing that vision on a regular basis? Like, if in your team meeting, all you talk about is who's doing the skit and who's leading the songs, like, you're missing the point. The point is we are reestablishing the kingdom of God on earth in this place. Are you sharing the vision of where that is going? Are you saying, like, hey, I know right now our campaigners is at 10, but did you see how Carter talked to Ella at the end of campaigners? He, like, really wanted to know more about what she was sharing. Like, that's the kingdom of God being established. We are moving in that direction. Let's push energy towards that. Let's rebuild this into the kingdom that, that God desires. Share that vision on a regular basis. All right. Nehemiah 3, 3 through 5. Who's got it? I got it. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, son of Akaz, prepared the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, yeah, he's just he's son of Meshulam, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Bana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. All right, so you get the idea of this painted picture of... of not only does he share the vision with these people, he invites them into the work. And not only does he say, like, hey, can you, like, hold this hammer while I do something else? Like, he's not doing the work and then telling them to be his assistant. He's saying, no, no, John, you're going to have this section of the wall. Maybe for you on your team or in your uh, school, that's like, hey, you're going to hang out with, with kind of the younger guys at the school. That's going to be your wall. That is your section to rebuild. And then, and then you're going to have the, the senior girls because you know they can be dramatic. So you've got to have somebody specifically just for senior girls. And you, you start piecemealing and commissioning people to take their part of that work and own it. Are you commissioning people to really own the ministry with you? Are you, are you building a team where people actually have responsibility? Are they all just assistants to the staff person or assistants to the team leader or assistants to the, the one person on the team that really cares? Are you a group of people that own that vision together because you've been commissioned to build in this place? So commission is next. All right. Who's got? Oh, sorry. It's share the vision and commission. It's, we're just going down the list. So literally you can fill it in without me. Nehemiah 4, 1 through 6. Who had it? I got it. Read it. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. 
And he spoke before his brothers in the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from their heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. So he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone walls. Hear, O our God, for, for we are despised. Turn the reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to Oh. So, for those of you that couldn't hear in the back, in case you didn't follow along, here's what happens. The, they start on the work. They each man their section of the wall, and then all of a sudden, the people around are like, you'll never finish it. It's like, what you're trying to do is impossible. There's no way y'all can do what you're praying you can do. And they begin to get discouraged. They begin to, to lose faith that the thing that they're praying for is even possible. For you... Where you are right now, if you're in this room, the reason that I know you feel this is because I've been there with you so many times. I started in a new school about a year and a half ago uh, that I'd never led in before. And the first six months, I would get done with camp. I mean, Lindsay knows for sure. Uh, I'd get done with campaigners. I'd walk into the barn where we have our young house, and I would just, like, collapse on the couch. I'd be like, this is just not it. Like, this isn't what God wants being built at this place. This isn't the kingdom of God. This is, this is gossip and infighting. and like This is not Jesus' presence becoming more and more established. Uh, I know that there are people, when you start something new, that, you know, the guy in the student section is like just calling you names for no reason, just because you're standing there. Uh, you are discouraged because discouragement is the natural experience of trying to do something crazy. And that's what you're doing. You're joining God in his work of rebuilding the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that's crazy. And you're going to get discouraged along the way. But in order to reject the discouragement, you have to claim the truth that you've been called to do it. And that it will happen. Maybe not through young life. It doesn't have to be through young life. But the kingdom of God will be established in that place. In Thank you. Thank you. It will be established. And to claim that truth and reject it the discouragement that comes along. The next one, maybe even more of a big deal. Nehemiah 6, 9 through 11. Who's got that one? Anybody? I know I gave it somebody. Go for it. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now straighten my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabul, who was shut in his his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple's doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Hmm. uh, I actually skipped Be On Your Guard. Be On Your Guard, who's got that one? Read that one too and we'll hit both of them together. In Judah, it was said, the strength of the laborer fails since there is so much rubble. We will never be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they won't realize it until we're among them 
and can kill them and stop the work. When the Jews who live nearby arrived, they said to us time and again, everywhere you turn, they attack us. So I stationed people behind the lowest sections of the wall at the vulnerable areas. I stationed them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I made an inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord, and fight for your countrymen, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Yeah. So as, as you start to do this work of rebuilding the kingdom of God in the place that you're called to, uh, one almost certainty is that the enemy will be threatened. Uh, when it starts gaining momentum, the enemy will be threatened more. Uh, and you will come under attack. It will feel like uh, they're just random things that get in the way of what God has called you to do. Uh, and so the, the workers, what Nehemiah says is, all right, we're going to keep working. The, the wall is halfway built, which means people now are feeling threatened, so they're going to start attacking. You need to not only have your hammer in one hand, but you need to have your sword in the other so that you can protect yourself while you build, so that you can fend off the attacks while you do the work. For you, in your ministry where you are, uh, knowing that the attack will come, are, are you on your guard? Do you know that you need uh, to have a posture of defense from the enemy's attacks as you do the work of rebuilding? And then secondly, is when you're ready to tap out. When the attacks get too hard, the discouragement gets too hard, do you know how to stand firm? Do you have the, 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 uh, the gumption, the, the grit to stand even when it gets hard? Uh, for you, that a lot of times comes through a, a decision of faithful obedience. That even though I can't see it clearly, even though I'm, I'm under attack, I will stand because you've called me to stand. And making that decision in your heart. But here's what's going to happen. Is you're going to do these things. You're going to, to gather a team. You're going to pray the big prayer. And you're going to go after it hard. You're going to do the work. You're going to defend. And then it's going to get a little fun. You're going to start seeing those walls being re-erected around the city. You're going to watch as, as the people who were scared and hiding in their homes come back out with a sword in their hand to man the wall with you. The campaigners are going to join you in what you're doing in the rebuilding. And it's not going to be you building. You're not going to be building by yourself. It's not going to be your team building. There's going to be a movement of God in the school or in the area or in the place that you've been called. And it's going to get fun. And then you're going to have a temptation. You're going to be tempted to take credit for what's going on. Nehemiah could have said, hey guys, remember when y'all were just an embarrassment in the world? And then I came. And I rebuilt the wall. And now people are starting to be intimidated by you. Somebody read Nehemiah uh, 6, 15 and 16. There's this, there's this sense that uh, that when the, the work was done, 52 days, I just did an addition on my house. It took like nine months to do. And so the idea that they built a city around an entire, or a wall around the entire city in 52 days, that's crazy. And honestly, I would want to take credit for it. But at, you know, I remember this one moment when, when, I, when the momentum of what God was doing felt like it was taking uh, shape at a place that I was leading. Uh, and we had our first club of the year, you know, and we, you know, expected what was there in the spring 
50, 60 people. And there was like 120, 150 that showed up uh, to club. And at the end of that night, we all knew there's no way we could have done that. When you really see the Spirit of God move in the place that you're starting something, rebuilding something, you realize you're there, but you're not doing that work. And we came back after we had gone to Char Grill, which is kind of like our post-club uh, place. We came back, uh, and we all collapsed on the couches in a dark room, and we prayed together. In gratitude for what God had done, and in awe of the fact that we got to be a part of it. That we were allowed to see it. Nehemiah 12, 27. This is the, the last verse before we wrap up. Who's got it? <laughs> So they, they kind of finish the wall and then they they celebrate. They they put on a worship service at what God is doing. Kind of like what we said, come back, collapse on the couch. Uh, uh, sorry, there's one more. It's Nehemiah 7, 4 through 5. He's got that one. This is the, nobody has that one? Nehemiah 7, 4 through 5? Oh, yeah, read out. Yep, that's it. And then it goes on to list off all the people. So basically, here's what happens. They celebrate the completion of this, this wall of protection. And now they have a temple where God's presence is. They have a community of people, but it's small. And they have a wall of protection. When you get to that place in your ministry where there's a, a protected space for people to come in and experience the presence of God, that's what we're hoping for. That's the kingdom of God, a protected space. That's the garden. That's the, the temple mount. A protected space where people can experience the presence of God in safety. Open the doors and bring the people in. A lot of times, this is one of the things I see uh, in, in our ministry especially a lot, is once you have something good, you're like, hey, we just need to hold on to this thing. We just need to ride this thing out. We need to like, like just come into a little huddle, you know. Our campaign, I mean, if we invite more people to campaigners, then it's going to get like hard to be intimate, you know. So we should just keep it. No, break open the doors and let people run in and experience Jesus and God there. Uh, last thing I want to say to you is uh, there's this little thing up in your, uh, in the corner of your, your sheet. Here's, here's the reason that's up there is once the kingdom of God feels like it's becoming established, you may be the right person to leave Jerusalem and go and begin to build the kingdom in a new place. If you learn how to do it as a volunteer leader, you may be the right person to go on staff and go build that kingdom somewhere new that right now there's nothing being built. I'm just throwing that out there because you're not building you a house to live in forever. You're building the kingdom of God and then joining with Jesus as he sends you somewhere new. So make sure to go. I'm going to close by reading Isaiah 58, 9 through 12. Write, the, write that down. Go back and look at it later. This is kind of one of my theme verses for the semester. Isaiah 58, 9 through 12 says this. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. 
You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. I pray that as you go back to the place that God has called you, uh, and you begin to grab the hammer and the sword and build what he has invited you to build with him, uh, that you would claim that is truth. That you are chosen, you have been selected for this work. And he's giving you all that you need to complete it and that he lives in you. Work, let me pray for us and then y'all can head to the next one. Jesus, I thank you for this time. I pray that there would be something in it worth uh, taking back and, and shaping some way that we do what you've called us to do. I pray that we would see your kingdom become more and more established in all the places you've called us to go uh, and that we'd actually show up with you uh, and join you in the building. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Well, thanks for taking time to listen to this teaching from Ben McDaniel of how to restart and rebuild a Young Life Club. Stay tuned for more content coming.